<laughs> what is it? What's the first line? Um, well, now I can't think because I just like I was Through captivated. You. No, I was captivated. Oh, by oh. That. I, I do have a beautiful voice. So exactly. Thank you. everyone welcome to one of us is a filmmaker mm-hmm. hello hello this is a specific episode which we call look back at the classics so we're going to look back at the classic classics. it is classic it is um yeah. but for those of you who do not know my name is cassia and i'm orion and i'm a filmmaker and orion slash jiggy is my brother yep. and we love talking about nostalgic movies for us we do love talking about nostalgic movies we've got a bit of a belter i can't lie exactly if you didn't get it from my amazing take i mean <laughs> We're going to tell you, (laughs) so don't worry. Exactly. If you don't know, you're going to know in one moment, and you'll know from the title of the episode as well, but still, we like to build up the atmosphere here. Oh, yeah. We're talking about one of my all-time favourite movies, franchise. Franchise, right? Yes, with three movies. Yeah. So, franchise. And it is called Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. I think we're just going to end up singing every single motif in the yeah, no. at some point. We want to bring the viewers into the atmosphere of the film. Put yourselves in the shoes of when you were a kid watching it for the first time. Yeah. Or maybe you're an adult watching it for the first time. I know actually quite a few people that do. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't see it when it first came out, but I have watched it since. And most of the time people are like, yeah, it's great. Yeah. There are some people who I think don't get it. Yes. And, and maybe that's because... You know, not everyone's a fantasy fan. And and also, some people might have watched The Hobbit first and gone back to Lord of the Rings, and that might have been hard for them. Mm. Um, Wow, that was a real... Sacrilege! But no, it's not. That was a look from Cassia there. So, Uh, Lord of the Rings, as I said, is one of my favourite franchises movies ever but I get what you're saying. I have one of my best friends. She just would not like this movie. And as a fan... I would be really heartbroken if I made her watch the movie and she has the response I know she would have, which would be, I didn't like that. Yeah, just like, no, that's, that's, this isn't it. And you're just thinking, this is it. (laughs) I don't want to force that upon her, (laughs) even though um, it really breaks my heart that she can't share the joy of the movies with me. But never mind, you know, it's not for everyone. But for me, I think I'm very passionate about Lord of the Rings Mm -hmm. for this very specific reason. Oh, okay. And the reason is, it's the film I saw which really made me want to be a filmmaker. It's one of those films that I think can have that effect mm-hmm. because there's so much to it. Yeah. And the assets on display are so, I'm going to use the word obvious, like in the sense of, you know, if you're looking at um, design-wise, mm. the creative department's got to go a bit nuts. Mm-hmm. And so what you're watching as a viewer is like, this This is so bold, this is so big, this is so full of yeah. just everything. And so as a viewer, you're, you're, you might think like, oh, there's so many cool bits I could enjoy or there's so many things mm-hmm. that are going on that I could be a part of, which yeah. I'm assuming happened for you. I mean... Absolutely. Yeah. As we go through, um, I will speak about maybe specific scenes yeah. or things in the movies that really clicked with me and the the format of this the reason we're diving straight in and not doing too much upfront top chat is because lord of the rings there's a lot to get through there's a lot if you don't know lord of the rings there are three movies which are all exceptionally long and you know i'm an ex- extended edition fan of course uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. i'm gonna try not to like reference scenes from the extended edition too much if i do forgive me but they're so ingrained in my brain well i think we I need to get across remember. the point that these are three-hour films without the extended edition. <laughs> extended edition is four hours each movie. Yeah. Has anyone watched... I, I'd love to know. Any of our listeners, have you ever watched a four-hour movie? Also, yeah. I just want to quickly say, uh, the summer has approached and uh, me and Cassia both have a bit of hay fever and so I may be sniffling. We're going to try our best to yeah. get rid of that, but I'm just throwing out there, I might be sniffling sometimes. Yes. And also, this this might be a bit of a treat. This might be a two-parter episode. Yes. This might be a two-parter episode because there's a lot to cover. It, it We're trying to emphasize how big these movies are. Yeah. <laughs> how much there is to them. So, and yeah. also, if people are like me and are huge fans of Lord of the Rings, mm. as part of the extended edition, there is an extensive behind-the-scenes videos, interviews that you can watch. And I think that also helped fuel my filmmaking interest, aside from the films mm. themselves being able to look at all the behind the scenes and there was someone said oh which filmmaker was it It was a filmmaker who said if you want to learn filmmaking just watch the behind the scenes of lord of the rings 
because uh, that's pretty good. Goes into detail. Well, I mean, I suppose if you're making twelve hours worth of a movie, you probably think just chuck in the extra bits as well. Yeah, you know, like why not? We need to see all the little nick and knacks of what happened behind the scenes. Of course, of course, of course. And it's really great um, to have that as a sort of a yeah, it's like a, a tool for budding young filmmakers like myself, and just to share the journey behind the scenes. So, what is Lord of the Rings? You might ask. Well. <laughs> they are a trilogy of books mm. by J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah. And they are big ass books. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these are these are classic books. You know, these are yeah. classic literature that have stood the test of time. I yeah, guess. absolutely. Very reedy, reedy books. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't read the books before watching Lord of the Rings. Mm. I actually didn't know anything about Lord of the Rings really before I watched the first film. Right. But I'll talk about my first viewing experience once we get into the movies individually later. I suppose I I think I knew about Lord of the Rings because of our autistic Kaylin, I think, had read the books by Yeah, this we point. had the books. Yeah. yeah. Um, and but... we, I had read The Hobbit in lower school. So I was aware of The Hobbit. Yeah, so I also did that, but I read The Hobbit in lower school after I'd already mm-hmm. seen Lord of the Rings of the movies. Yes. Before The Hobbit even came out and all that. Yes. So. Um, but yeah, so they're based on these books by J.R.R. Tolkien. There are three movies in the trilogy. One's called The Fellowship of the Ring. Mm-hmm. Then we have The Two Towers. And then we have Return of the King. Yeah. And the movies are directed by Peter Jackson, a New Zealand. The one and only. The one and only. Uh, And he co-wrote the script with Philippa Boyens and Fran Walsh, who happens to be his partner as well. It would be a monumental task for one person to do this script. Oh, yes. Screenplay. To adapt three huge, massive books. Not only massive, but one thing that maybe the audience should know is Tolkien, he wrote languages for his books he was a linguist by nature yeah um and he not only did he write new languages he also wrote an extensive world like mm-hmm. a massive massive law and world not just in these books but throughout scriptures um so i can't remember what the specific name for them but like side texts yeah and appendices. also the hob- yeah appendices like so this, much. this is massive huge this is a huge world that 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 is very developed exactly so it's it's a big task it's big and this world he created is called middle earth Mm -hmm. and some of the uh, creatures or people that are in the story they're made up of men of elves of dwarves and these people called hobbits Mm -hmm. other characters we'll talk about are things called orcs and ents um, but just giving you a very brief overview, so you Uruk-ai. know, Urukai. There's lots of different characters, creatures, mm. magical beings, beasts, scary, creepy sea creature things. Mm-hmm. Oliphants. Oliphants. Like, there's a lot going on. Yeah. So we're going to try and keep it simple in terms of we're not going to try and over-explain too much, but we're kind of doing this as well with the assumption that people know Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's it's it's. We're not hard. going to over-explain everything, but we're going to keep it. To sort of basic explanation and not go too deep into some of the more complicated stuff. It's, it's finding that balance, isn't it? Mm. And, and making sure we get across the the nitty bits that nitty gritty bits that you know we love, um, and I'm sure many other people love. But also trying to, yeah, as you said, keep it a bit accessible because these exactly. are like you could analyze Lord of the Rings, not the books, but the, mm. just the films, exactly for a bit like days on end, and and probably still wouldn't have covered everything. So absolutely. Yeah. And how big it is in terms of the law and the characters, that gives you a sense of how big of an undertaking this was as a task to make into movies. Yeah, exactly. Um, they had an amazing team behind the film. As I said, Peter Jackson directed it. Mm-hmm. They had Howard Shaw's the composer. So we're going to get into the music because it's... <laughs> oh, yes, lovely. So it's a completely different key to what I did. So I was I know, like, one of these singing. I just thought, <laughs> so makes I'm, sense. you know, I'm getting in there. He's getting in there. <laughs> There was a man called Richard Taylor, who was the production designer from a company called Weta Workshop, which was actually set up with Peter Jackson back when they were doing some of their earlier movies. And also what's interesting is for the art department, they brought in two illustrators of Tolkien books. So Peter Jackson's really inspired by, you know, the designs on the covers of Mm -hmm. Two Towers. Um, That's a very iconic one where the Nazgul is looking over at Orthanc. Actually, the Two Towers do look quite similar to the design in the book. They literally lifted. They really wanted to use um, that illustrator's design. So Mm -hmm. there were two illustrators that are world famous as Mm -hmm. 
Tolkien artists. One's called Alan Lee and one's called John Howe. And they were brought in to help with the filming process and, mm. you know, just the design in general. Yeah. So it's got such an iconic look and it's visually so strong. And they had to use a lot of clever ways of filming. In case you're interested, you know, how do you... Hobbits are like these tiny little creatures compared to the height of, of men. Halflings. Halflings, they might be called, yes. Yeah. So they had to do lots of cool camera tricks, something mm. called forced perspective, these miniatures, these green screen, these body doubles, animatronics, you know, they really whipped out all the filmmaking arsenal that they had. It's um, uh, always funny to me watching them back, mm. noticing when they switch from hobbits as the actual actors to them turning around and it's actually just kids running around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you so, can sometimes spot these. Yeah, things. you can kind of see it uh, And so in this episode, we are going to look at all three films individually, but then we're going to circle back and talk about some common ground about all of them mm-hmm. and also come to the very important decision of what is the best Lord of the Rings movie right. hotly debated oh that I mean it probably is it yeah. is but you know Lord of the Rings there was an adaptation of Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. previously but an it was animation. an animation yeah animation yes um, and I've seen clips of it I haven't mm-hmm. seen the whole thing but it was one film Yes, I think so. I think it was one movie. I'm not sure about it, but... I don't know, it was like 70s or something? Yeah, it was like 70s or something like that. But also, you know, it's a, it's a monumental task for Peter Jackson and the team, not only to create these films because they're such a big world, as we've, de- as we've described, but also because, because Lord of the Rings is so entrenched and Tolkien is so entrenched as a literature giant, mm-hmm. you know, there were expectations for this movie. Big expectations. It was, you know, when the internet was taking off back in 99 and they had forums of fans criticising the film already, you know, wondering what they're going to do, commenting on the casting. So they knew that they were going to have a big audience Mm. and, you know, people commenting for sure. And luckily for them, the fans absolutely loved it. But before we dive into each of the movies, a little quiz. Uh And I took it. It's 12 questions. Mm -hmm. And I got, well, guess what I got out of 12? It's not really much of a guess, is it? You got all of them right. Yes, I did. Uh, Cassie is a big fan of yeah. Lord of the Rings, guys. Just in case you hadn't got that already. Exactly. So I'm, I, I have a feeling I could, I could get like seventy-five percent of them. Okay. That's so my. So we're doing like eight out of twelve. Yeah. Eight, nine out of twelve. Yeah, cool. I, I think that's. But I think there'll be some where it will just be. I wouldn't remember. Well, we'll see. And um, we want to know what you guys listening get on this quiz. Yeah. So please let us know in the comments, you know, send us a message on Instagram or Twitter and tell us what you got out of 12. Yeah, this would be, actually, that would be great to know. I'd love to know what people do. So we're going to dive right into this quiz. Here we, right, go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Question number one. Yep. yep. Where does Saruman live? Uh, in Isengard. Very good. In, in, the, in one of the two towers. Very good. Which of these places is not a real place in Middle-earth? Okay. Minas Tirith, Rivendell, Gondor, or Mount Zoom? <laughs> okay, that's quite an easy one. Mount Zoom. Sounds like something from The Flash. <laughs> <laughs> What's Frodo's sword called? Oh, um, Sting? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It glows blue. Yes. When there's uh, orcs around or goblins or yes. stuff. So. Little devilly buddies. That's what orcs are, like slash goblins, if you didn't know. Yeah. Which of these colours would you not associate with Gandalf? White, grey or yellow? Yellow. This is a bit easier than I thought. I was yeah. a bit worried it was going to be really hard. Oh, I should have said at the top of this quiz that we are talking about Lord of the Rings, the movies. These aren't questions that derive from the books. Yeah, that's fine. I, I, um, I guess that was the case. Yeah. So. Where were the Lord of the Rings movies filmed? All right, I'm going to give you the pro answer. They were filmed in New Zealand and Wales. So I was on... This is a cool story, actually. Mm-hmm. So when I was in year four, five, six, when I was in year six, end of primary school for me, we went on a visit to Snowdon, Snowdonia. Mm. Uh, and actually, I looked to my right when we were just walking. We weren't up the mountain or anything yet, but we were just sort of walking there. And I looked to my right and I was like... That's weirdly familiar. Why do I understand? Why does this image in my head like really familiar? And then our guide said, and this was a scene in Lord of the Rings, and I was trying to think about it, and I realised I knew what scene it was. It's the scene mm. where the company, the Fellowship, oh, yeah. make it to the Mines of Moria after being distracted from going any other uh, all the other routes. And the, do you know the door yes. that glows when they say um, say friend and enter? Yeah. Then that, plus the lake outside where they get attacked by the squid thing, that was shot in Wales. 
Was that actually shot in Wales? I'm pretty sure. Or it was either referenced in it Wales. It might have been modelled but on But I'm it. pretty sure. No, no, they shot it in a car park in New Zealand. <laughs> they might have done pickups in Wales. I think that they did do pickups in Wales. Yeah, because there was there to was, investigate people. Yeah, so, all right, well, I, I know it was... I'll at be, least modelled on it. Yeah, it was at least modelled on it. Very nice. But the, I guess the, the proper answer they're looking for is New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yes, very true. That was my long-winded way of giving yes, you the I mean. answer. Well, we're at question number six now. What is Samwise's last name? Gamji. That's yeah. classic. He's such a G. <laughs> question number seven. Finish this line. One ring to rule them all. One ring to find them. One ring to... Oh, it's, out, it's actually out of my head. <laughs> Why do, oh. You say this in every, like, whenever I give you a quiz or ask you to I know, remember something. But it's more, it's, <laughs> most of the time it's when I can't remember actors' names. Well, why don't you try saying the line all together? One, one ring, ring to, to rule them all. all. One, one ring, ring to, to find them. them. One, one ring, ring to... One ring to something and in the darkness bind them. That's the second half. I know, but I can't remember the something. I'm not going to I can't give you that as a point that's just not correct because you haven't finished the sentence even though you got the last bit right I know I got the last bit do you want me to do my right? best Ian McKellen impression wait 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 wait, wait. Okay. Give, me, give me one second let yeah, me think let, about let's this let's wait uh, one ring to rule them all one ring to find them one ring okay I can't remember it okay. I'm really it upset goes like I got the, the last yeah bit. you did you did but still we're not counting that as a right no, answer okay that's fine I'll take a point it's one ring to rule them all one ring to find them one ring to bring them all and in the darkness bind them. I thought it was bring, but I couldn't I well, didn't think it was bring. Oh. Okay, I got the sec I got the last yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, but I, mean, I can knock out that as a rhyme. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Long beards and Durin's folk are also called what? Uh Dwarves? Yeah. Okay. Correct. In Return of the King, what do Frodo and Samwise disguise themselves as to sneak into Mordor? Is it orcs? So the reason I'm saying orcs is because there's the bit where they finally get to Mordor and then they end, Sam ends up coming back and, you know, saving Frodo or whatever. And then they they like, oh, we need to change. And so mm -hmm. then they put on orc costumes yeah. and then they walk across the the fields of... And it's not actually fields, it's, it's but it's called something like that, like the plains of something or... In more yeah, it's definitely not as nice as Fields. Yeah, it, no, <laughs> but it's called something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to give you orcs, but it's technically goblins. Okay. But I'll give you orcs, yes. I yeah. Because the other, like, this actually gives you options, but I haven't given you any of the options. So, also, a, as a piece of law, <laughs> it's, it's a bit complicated what goblins and orcs are, because they're similar, but goblins are, like already existing creatures yes. and orcs are like, descended from from corrupted elves yeah they've like been tortured these elves long ago were like tortured and then they were built into orcs and then in in the lord of the rings actual time frame there are these things called urukai <laughs> which are like super orcs or something like yeah. that made by saruman made by saruman but yeah it's all right i'll give you that okay all right now who says this stupid fat hobbits Oh, it's um, uh, Gollum. Yeah, I refrained from doing the accent. Stupid fat hobbits! Well, you didn't yeah. that time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, orcs come from Gondor. True or false? That's false. Yeah. I just gave the whole law. <laughs> yeah. I just gave the whole law. Okay, well, the way. And who killed the Witch King? The Witch King of uh, Angmar? Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, no. Hold on a second. I was about to say Isildur, and then that's wrong. <laughs> that's that's like way, way earlier. Man, that's way earlier. Um, it was uh, Eowyn. Yeah. Eowyn. You got eleven out of twelve. Yeah, but also I I did pretty well on that twelfth question. I just hey, forgot bring them all. It, was it perfect? No. <laughs> to be fair, that quiz is easier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But it's, it's nice for the fans out there. Hopefully you enjoyed. Hopefully yeah. you got 12 out of 12. Did better than Jiggy here, but if not... <laughs> yeah, hopefully you don't get spoiled by my explanation of one of the answers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that was coming. Let us know what you got. As I said, I got 12 out of 12 in that, of course. You know what? It kind of represents the amount of like love and knowledge we have. True. So like you... And one step it. ahead. Yeah, you're like that one step ahead. One jump. Me. Yeah. Good quiz though. It is good. That was a Beano quiz, by the way, so if people want to Beano. know. Beano. Nice. But yes, yeah, so I just wanted to give a little backstory as well about how the films actually managed to even happen. Did you know that Harvey Weinstein oh is an executive producer on all the films? Oh, God. 
And the reason that it is not a film made by the Weinstein Company, it is New Line Cinema instead, mm-hmm. is basically because Harvey Weinstein, lovely man that he is, uh, was trying to pressure Jackson into making it into one film. And Peter Jackson was like, mate, got to do this in two. Yeah. Can't, do it in, can't do it in one. I can't do it in one. Yeah. But Harvey Weinstein had put a lot of money into developing the script, etc. But as Peter wanted to make it two, he was really desperate to to pitch it to other producers basically the Weinstein company said fine you can pitch it to other producers but you only got like we'll give you one weekend to do it basically believing that nobody was going to take the films with two films as a package Lol. from Lord of the Rings <laughs> and then basically Peter and his co-writers they brought it to everyone in Hollywood literally everyone everyone and they had their meeting with New Line and they pitched the whole thing you know it's going to be amazing. It's yeah. going to be two films, etc. Could be an epic, you know. It's going to be an epic, it, yeah. absolutely. And they had, apparently they had secretly leaked the script as well, uh, so people could read and be like, "Oh, it's going to be great." Hopefully, that's what they secretly. Thought. I mean, yeah. it's one of those things where someone on the inside sent it out and was like, "Oh yeah, Peter yeah. probably sent it." Yeah, Peter like, was like, like, "Guys, no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, Harvey's trying to get me to do this one film. Can you?" Uh... Yeah, <laughs> and basically, in that meeting with New Line, it finished, and the uh, exec at New Line was like, "Why aren't you making this three films?" Harvey gets a call like "Um, we're going with New Line they've offered us three movies Uh, okay (laughs) exactly Uh, so that's why Harvey Weinstein is is, um, credited as an exec producer because he you know had some input into the creative development of the film early on I'm I'm glad that he had as little to do with it as possible following that point yeah absolutely and you know what's funny do you know the pale orc in uh, number three in no he's in The Hobbit no, the pale orc, the you know the one that's um the one that I was telling you about the other day when the rock starts flying down and he just stands there and the last minute he goes Whoop. Oh that one. Yeah. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah He's okay. uh, modelled on uh, Harvey Weinstein apparently. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Because <laughs> Peter Jackson was like, I just want to do a big F U to Harvey Weinstein and we'll make an orc based on him. Yeah. Classic. I mean at this point, mm. like cause I Honestly, I don't really know much about Peter Jackson's cinema. Mm-hmm. Was he really established at this point before so he So he had this? done a lot of, like, horrors. He's quite famous for his horror films. And right. then he did a film which did really well and, you know, got, like, Oscar nominations and things, which was Heavenly Creatures, starred Kate Winslet. Oh, wow. And that basically put him on the map, on the Hollywood side of things. Yeah. And I think he had basically optioned and been developing Lord of the Rings yeah. or really wanting to do it. And uh, then, yeah, ended so up he had, it. he had a bit of weight. You know, oh, yeah, when he, when he was going to New Line, he wasn't some, like, no, uh, nobody. No, he, no, was, exactly. he was coming in, like, guys, like, yeah. you know my stuff. I can do this. He was probably one of those directors where he'd had a lot of buzzes of his early films and obviously Heavenly Creatures did very well. So it was like, this is a director to watch. Like, mm. let's get it on. And that's the horrible thing about Harvey Weinstein and the Weinstein Company. Apparently, because Peter was like, I want to make this two films, Harvey Weinstein was apparently threatening to replace him with other directors. I was like, idiot. Rude. Anyway. Get rid of that man, right? Yeah, bye. <laughs> See ya. See ya. Um, but the movies were eventually commissioned by a new line mm-hmm. and a huge budget, you know, like $200 million budgets. And they filmed from October 1999 to December 2000. And then Fellowship of the Ring came out in 2001. That's not as long as I thought it was. But they did pickups as well and reshoots. Oh, okay. So they then had reshoots throughout 2001 to 2003. And then also right. if you factor pre-production in, they had like 18 months of pre-production. So that's from like 1997, mm. even, you know, it's like this a, long a long process. This is a long Six, process. seven, eight years, you know. Yeah. And it makes sense because 12 hours of film. <laughs> so. Well, let's dive into those films. Yeah. Now that we've given you a nice introduction, mm-hmm. we've built the world, yeah. here we are. The Fellowship of the Ring mm-hmm. came out in December 2001. Yes. Now... What do you remember your first viewing experience of this movie? Do I remember my first viewing experience? So I think I do. Mm. Um, I don't remember. I was about to say I don't remember going to see it in the cinema, but I would not have seen this in the cinema. You would have been I was three. three years old. <laughs> but I do remember watching it for the first time. Not all of the film, but what I really sticks out in my mind from the first one is when they enter the mines of Moria mm. and they climb up a bunch of stairs and they take a break and they're deciding whether to go into one of three doors because they're not sure. Gandalf's forgotten the way, right? <laughs> Classic Gandalf. Yeah, he's like... Oh, he said, what did he say? He's like, I have no memory of this place. <laughs> um, 
then it's the first time we meet Gollum. Mm-hmm. You kind of hear about Gollum earlier than that, but you actually meet Gollum in this one scene. And I remember it being terrifying. Like, so you kind of see from a distance Frodo's perspective of Gollum kind of climbing around. Mm-hmm. He's sort of like this weird slimy thing in the distance climbing around. But it does actually, it swaps to a close-up of Gollum. And what you see is him grabbing these bars mm-hmm. and it's really chiaroscuro lighting, like really like dark sort of ghostly and you can only see these like bright horrible scary eyes Mm. pop through this little grating Mm. and i always am like that's terrifying (laughs) like that for that really haunted me maybe that's what put you off horror films no genuinely like i i lord of the rings not i mean it is scary in some places places i do actually think genuinely it's quite scary but for me as a kid Mm. when i I watched it quite young Mm. that really stuck with me like like Gollum was like my nightmare for a long time, oh a long time. Oh dear. That, that, so that's oh dear. My, that's my what I remember of my first viewing experience, seeing that and just being like, <laughs> "What is that?" Terrified like, face. Yeah, literally. Nice. My first viewing experience was we went to see it in the cinema, me and my sister, and I think we went with. How old were you? That's nine. It was a PG the first one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a PG. It's quite scary, actually. And actually, For a PG, you know, is. and I remember being really scared. You know, the bit where Bilbo is like asking to see the ring, he goes, and he goes, Rah! yeah, he, he like he like transforms into like a demon oh, yeah. for a split second. And that then... really scared me when I was a kid. You know, and there are other scary moments but like now that. Now that you've told me that Peter Jackson made his early career in horror, mm. I am really understanding that. It's mm. the same thing we talked about with Sam Raimi. He loves his monsters, Peter Jackson. Yeah, it's, but it's the same thing we talked about with Sam Raimi, with Spider-Man, mm. where he'd come from a... It seems like most of these, you know, people who are doing their indie films, they all love horror. Hello, that's you me do as well. You yeah. yeah. Every, <laughs> I, I do it too. I actually think there's something in horror which is a really great genre to explore quite difficult and interesting themes i think you can really um you can really push people into exploring a subject it's you know with whether it's you know straight up just fear like or it's something like um i know you really like the babadook Mm -hmm. where that's much more psychological and much more about sort of mental health Mm -hmm. so i think horror is really good for that so i can see why filmmakers are drawn to it yeah absolutely yeah but yeah it makes sense why it's so scary and why as a kid my first viewing experience i'm terrified (laughs) yeah and i was really scared as well and actually i didn't know that it was um gonna be three films so at the end when (laughs) sam and frodo walk to the top of the hill or whatever they look across and see the eye of mordor yeah and it then started fading to black and the music kicked in the credits started i was like wait what (laughs) yeah what but it's not resolved. I know, it is a bit weird. No, but as a, just because I didn't know it was part of three films. Mm-hmm. As a nine-year-old, I hadn't read Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But I was so drawn into the world and just... You, there's something you can sense, like you said, about the production and the filmmaking. It's so tangible. Mm-hmm. And that's what I loved about it is it just felt like it was made with care and it felt so real because they used costume animatronics. They didn't just use CGI for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of my main gripes with The Hobbit, which I get, like, technically it's an achievement to do that sort of thing. But if you can do it, it doesn't mean you should. I don't think it is an achievement because they didn't execute, in, in The Hobbit, from my perspective, the reason I don't think it's an achievement, what they did, is they didn't execute it well. Mm. And, and and I get what, like, you're trying to show something off. Like, especially that horrific, I like, IMAX super... High like, frame rate. 60 FPS or whatever yeah. it was. And it's like... This looks awful. Like on any screen that's not an IMAX, you can't just, you have to consider your audience. You have to consider what it's like to view this film. And just because it's not a tech demo, like yeah. it's, it's a film. Yeah. You know? I mean, it makes it feel more like video games. That's exactly. what I feel like when I watch The Hobbit or films that are really high frame rates or really, you know, over rendered CGI. Yeah. But, um, but again, that's another conversation which we really don't have time yeah, I know, for that today. Is but anyway, Fellowship of the Ring. Mm-hmm. I want to just quickly talk about the cast and the characters so people have a bit of an mm-hmm. overview of who's in this film. Mm-hmm. It's quite a lot of characters to get through, yep. so I'll try and be as quick as yeah, I can. We'll, we'll try, I'll try not to say too much, yeah, because we need to... So Gandalf is one of the main characters in the film, portrayed by... Ian McKellen. The legend he is, um, he is indeed. Mm-hmm. Do you know who turned down that role? Two very famous actors turned down the role. You can tell me Robin Williams again. No. <laughs> what, did he, what role did he turn down? Um, 
What did he turn down? He didn't turn down anything. Yeah, no, you told me he was in consideration for Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, yeah. I don't know if he turned it down, though, if he just... Okay, in. but, you know... Oh, fine. Fine, fine, fine. Uh, who was it, then? Christopher Plummer was one of them. Ooh, interesting. And then also Sean Connery turned down the role. I don't know if I could see Sean Connery, but Christopher Plummer, I thought, maybe. maybe. But Ian McKellen, I think, had a, has a real background in theatre work, and I think theatre work for the role of Gandalf worked. Yes. Yeah. And it was amazing that they got him because I think he was keen to do the role, but just scheduling and things. He was doing X-Men around the same time, mm. and there was a possibility he wasn't going to be able to do Lord of the Rings. But then the filming, you know, somehow they made the schedules work. Yeah. And thank goodness, because I love him in X-Men, and I love him in Lord of the Rings. Fantastic actor. So Gandalf is a wizard, very important part yeah. of the story. Then we have The Hobbits, yeah. which are made up of Frodo Baggins, Samwise Gamgee, and... Mary and Pippin. Yeah, Mary. <laughs> we both say their last name. <gasps> They're just Mary and Pippin. That's yeah, what yeah, yeah. They're a little pair together. And Elijah Wood plays Frodo. I'm the guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> yeah, he has a cameo in Spy Kids 3. Through Spy Kids 3. Which is hilarious. For like 10 seconds. <laughs> Sean Astin plays Samwise Gamgee. I love oh, Sean Astin so And uh, much. our guy from the Goonies. Yeah, absolutely. Our guy from the Goonies. Yeah. Um, Billy Boyd played Pippin. Yeah. And Dominic Mono... I always pronounce his last name. Monaghan. Mm. played Mary. Yeah. So those are the four hobbits, which, you know, are kind of the crux of this first, uh, their journey in the Fellowship of Ring. Yeah. Frodo, I mean, is the main protagonist of the film. Yeah, really. he, is, he is the protagonist. Um, supported by a character called Aragorn, mm -hmm. played by Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. You know, a fact that I found out the other day, it made me feel really old, what? is that, so Ian McKellen was 61 when he filmed Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Viggo Mortensen now is 63. Makes sense, actually. But it's just like, Wow. Also, fun Time's fact gone. about Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. Uh, he is multi-bilingual. Oh, yeah. And he, so in the film, they had mm. to learn Elvish. Um, Elvish and th so there are two languages that exist. And I think he only had to learn Elvish for mm -hmm. his role. But he could, he picked them up like instantly. Yeah. yeah. Because they're both, those languages, by the way, from Tolkien was really inspired by um, Welsh, mm. actually, and so bringing out Wales again, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Tolkien had a real appreciation for the Welsh language, and it turns out that Vigo, because he was bilingual, he picked up the language like easily, super easily. Uh, another fun fact about Vigo Mortensen and him being cast was that so bless the actor, whoever he is, Stuart Townsend, that's it. He was playing Aragorn. Yeah. They literally he had trained for the role. They started shooting with him, and Peter Jackson was like, "It's not quite working. It's not quite working." Uh, Bye, Stuart Townsend. Blumenek, pick up the phone. We need to get another actor around pronto. Oh, no. <laughs> so they rang Viggo Mortensen, and basically Peter Jackson rang him and sort of said, begged him, like, I'm doing Lord of the Rings. would love for you to play Aragorn, etc., etc." Had he auditioned? No, no, no. And um, Viggo Mortensen was like, oh, okay, well, can I think about it? Because you've just told me all this info, and I don't know really anything about it, and etc." And Peter was like, yes, you can think about it, but we need to know tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so... Because <laughs> they're, they're shooting, you know, it's all happening. Yeah. And, you know, our Viggo's over in America, wherever he lives. And basically, he'd never read Lord of the Rings. Right. But his son, who was, I think, 12 at the time, 10, 11, or 12, had read Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. and he asked Viggo, his dad, he said, oh, what was that phone call about? And yeah. he was like, well, they've asked me to play Aragorn in Lord of the Rings. And his, his son, son was brilliant. like, oh, you have to do it, I love <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And then that made his decision. He was like, all right, I'll go do it. Yeah, and he best decision he ever made. <laughs> I know, and first day on set was, um, you know, he was fighting the Nine up mm. on a weather top. That was the first shot. Yeah, first scene he, he mm. had to do. And he hadn't had, like, much of the sword training or all the months of training everyone else had had. He's literally just thrown into it. And, yeah, this crazy yeah. journey started for him. That's interesting. And mm. actually, it makes sense. Potentially. Maybe this is a reason. Maybe it's not. But in that fight, it's actually more of him sort of swinging fire around. And I wonder if they did that because he wasn't so sword trained at this point. Yeah. And and he they said, okay, actually, you know what? We're going to get you to you know, sort of sway these guys off with fire instead because yeah. that's more of a natural movement for you. Mm. I yeah, wonder if that was possibly. a thing. Yeah, yeah, possibly. And I think if you look at that, maybe the sword scenes in that sword fights that happen in that scene, possibly they're less complex than... Well, ours. yeah, yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. You know, time to look. Interesting, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, then alongside Aragorn, uh, another member of the Fellowship mm -hmm. is called Legolas. Legolas. Played by Orlando Bloom. Orlando Bloom. This is his first major role yeah. in any movie so yeah Orlando Bloom auditioned for Faramir first really? yeah and then they brought ah. him back in for Legolas it's interesting 
I Faramir is a character in the second movie, not in the first one. Yeah, I, that's interesting because Faramir is a lot um, less of a high-profile character, I think. Mm. So it's interesting that he auditioned and they thought, actually, let's give this guy a... Let's give him the main bloody role <laughs> in, the, in the fellowship. Why know. not? Then Gimli is the other character which actually rounds off our fellowship. Mm-hmm. And he's played by Jean Rhys Davies. Oh, actually, it doesn't. Oh, yeah, 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 sorry. I won't say that. It doesn't round off the No, fellowship. no, no, it doesn't, sorry. Cassia um, making him. It's because I've written, <laughs> annoyingly, I've like written this list in a very odd way. No, sorry. Um, Carry on. Anyway, sorry. So Gimli mm-hmm. is uh, another character in the fellowship. Yep. And he was played by John Rhys Davies. Mm-hmm. He's got a role in Princess Diaries too, he does. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, he's a very classic British actor. He's done a lot of theatre and things, a lot of good work. Mm-hmm. Um, Lots of people from a theatre background. Yeah, a lot. I mean, a lot of just classically trained actors <clears throat> are in this. Mm-hmm. And do you want to know an American actor who auditioned for Gimli? Which is kind of surprising, but does make sense. American actor? I'm not going to have a clue. Who Who is it? It's uh, from a sitcom that me and you enjoy. It's not Friends. But it is Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec? It's not Chris Pratt. <laughs> no, I don't think it's quite Chris Pratt. Oh, um, the main guy, what's the name of the guy with the beard? Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson. Yeah, Nick Offerman auditioned Nick for Offerman. Gimli. He was oh. a massive fan of Lord of the Rings and apparently he was campaigning to audition for Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> Wait, that's funny. He was like emailing Peter Jackson, trying to get his agent to get him in with an audition. Yeah. And Peter Jackson was like, you're not Samwise Gamgee, sorry, but yeah. you can come in and read for Gimli if you want. Yeah. <laughs> and so oh, he auditioned I feel a bit for... bad for him, because I actually quite like Nick Offerman. I think he's a good actor. Nick Offerman's so good. Yeah. He's really talented, such a great character actor. Yeah. And just seems like a very fun To be fair, I haven't actually seen him in that much, but obviously I'm a big fan of Parks and Rec, and also um, I saw him in The Last of Us, and I yeah. really liked his performance in The Last of Us, actually. I've seen him in quite a few things, and I've always thought he's really great. Um, so that's kind of interesting. So those are all members of the Fellowship. Obviously, the movie's called Fellowship of the Ring. Last... Except one, yeah. which we're going to add now. Which people probably know the most. Yeah, exactly. He's actually probably the most famous actor. Yeah, who we've accidentally left out. <laughs> oh, no, no, we're coming back to him at the end. And the character's name is Boromir, and that's played by Sean Bean. Sean Bean. The man who dies in every movie. And, sh- and TV show. And TV shows, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, most people know Sean Bean now from uh, Game of Thrones. Yes. Yeah, not the uh, Yorkshire Tea commercial. <laughs> no, from that. But there's a running joke that Sean Bean gets murdered in every film he's in, yeah. or dies. In and he, and he always in. plays these sort of, like, stoic, from-the-north characters. He is from Yorkshire. Yeah. That Yorkshire Tea. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. uh, and... Uh, so- so they're the Fellowship of the Ring, and mm-hmm. we'll go into a bit more about the story. Mm-hmm. But there are other important characters that I'll just quickly run through. Mm-hmm. There's an elf called Arwen, mm-hmm. who is Aragorn's main love interest in the story, played mm-hmm. by Liv Tyler. Yeah. Lady Galadriel, who's a very high-profile elf, I suppose you could say. There's not, there's not really much else otherwise. Wood elf, yes. And she's played by Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. Elrond, who's a sort of head of Rivendell. Lord Elrond. Lord Elrond, played by Hugo Weaving. Oh, Hugo Weaving's great. Yeah. And this was around, this was after Matrix time. So he, mm-hmm. he was quite high profile because of the Matrix. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Then we had Bilbo. Mm-hmm. And Bilbo is a character, if you've not watched All of the Rings, you might have heard of him because he's the main character in The Hobbit as well, mm-hmm. Bilbo Baggins. He's played by Ian Holm. Again, a very established, well-known actor, British actor, theatre actor, etc. Mm-hmm. And then... is very prevalent in this film, um, less mm-hmm. prevalent in the later ones. Yes, yeah. he, he doesn't appear really at all after the Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Then you have Saruman, mm-hmm. the big bad. Yeah. Well, not the big, big bad, but a pretty big bad. He's, he's, he's like... He's like... Second tier bad. second tier bad. <laughs> and that's played by Christopher Lee. Another established actor. Big wig. But he did not originally want to play Saruman. Mm. He really wanted to play Gandalf. Again, really campaigned for it. Yeah. Was like, I want to play Gandalf. Apparently he had met J.R. Tolkien... And just has been a big fan of the books. Apparently, he reads the books once a year. And, you know, it's just love it. I mean, Christopher Lee, RIP. Actually, quite a few of these actors. Ian Holm as well has passed away. Mm-hmm. Very sad. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it, we have to remember it's now been 20, 20 years, uh, 20 years mm-hmm. since these films were even, like, not released, not even made. It's 25 almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's been a long time. And, yeah, so we've lost a few of these actors. But mm. it just, I mean, it gives you a calibre. I mean, that calibre of actors mm. really shows 
just how incredible the performances are. I mean, when you have in- that level, mm. you're in for something. The films may not be great, but you're getting some good performances. <laughs> yeah. like, and know. actually, I think that's what's... That is what makes Lord of the Rings a tier above many fantasy franchises for me. Yes, it has that. The gravitas of the actors and their performances make you believe, even if it's confusing, you know, the mumbo-jumbo of the text or, you know, some of the storylines or the pacing, if you feel it's a bit long or anything, there's always something about the performances which draws you in and you can't you can't criticize any of those actors yeah. in their those specific roles and you i don't think and and for many of those sort of established um stage actors like uh, mckellen or lee in their roles in fellowship and i guess you know the other ones as well they have a lot of that kind of shakespearean mm. stage play dialogue and yes. monologue so they're kind of doing a stage play yeah on screen yeah you know like it, for them it must have felt quite a natural transition mm-hmm. i think especially if christopher lee loved the book so much i'm sure he was like loving it <laughs> yeah it's probably a dream for him i think he'd always wanted there to be a lord of the rings film and wanted to obviously play gandalf in it but kind of sad that we didn't have uh, lee as gandalf and offerman as gimli <laughs> <laughs> very different films definitely yeah. be interesting mm-hmm. <laughs> The story of The Fellowship of the Ring, mm-hmm. I was going to kind of whiz through it, mm-hmm. but it starts with this great prologue where they kind of established everything about the history or everything you need to know. And actually, while they were filming, they kind of came up with this idea of the prologue because they were finding the dialogue was so expositionary mm-hmm. that actually it was just it sounded too clunky. It just felt like you were spoon feeding too much information in not an interesting way. Mm-hmm. So while they were filming, Jackson thought, okay, let's do a prologue yeah. where we can give a backstory of Sauron mm-hmm. and these great rings of power. Yeah. Many rings of power given out to elves, men, and dwarf leaders. Mm-hmm. But Sauron, the big, big bad, mm-hmm. wanted all the power for himself. So he made a secret ring. Made a secret ring that was all powerful. One ring to, to rule, rule them all. all. Exactly. Yeah. And so this prologue explains all of that. Mm-hmm. It's got Kate Blanchett's uh, voice doing mm-hmm. a very ethereal but powerful. Which I that. tried to imitate earlier on. Yes. Not successfully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so men went to war with the elves against Sauron to try and destroy him and get the ring off of him. They couldn't quite kill him. They managed to sort of kill him, but his spirit and its essence went into the ring and the ring was not destroyed. No. And because this ring is very seductive, it's got this power that allures people. Mm-hmm. It brings out the weaknesses of men in particular, mm-hmm. but all creatures as well. And so a sealed door. The king at the time, who led the army into battle, mm-hmm. said he was going to destroy the ring, but did he really? No, he got to uh, got to the fire. He got to Mount Doom with the Lord Elrond because elves lived for a bajillion years. Yeah, and um, he, and Lord Elrond said, "Drop it in the fire," and he was like, "No," and <laughs> <laughs> just walked off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, exactly. And this ring is—it's uh, <laughs> got its mind of its own sort of thing. Yeah. And well, it is. It is supposed to be. It's like an entity. It's like it's like sort of the embodiment of the force and will of Sauron. Mm-hmm. This this sort of the the bad entity, yeah, or whatever you might call him, the big bad. Yeah, the big bad. Um, yeah. So it's okay. And then Isildur loses the ring like a an idiot. An idiot. Well, he gets killed. I think. In yeah, he gets killed, sense. and so the ring runs away. <laughs> essentially yeah and it gets uh picked up by the most strangest creature unimaginable that you wouldn't have thought of gets picked up by schmeagle who is a hobbit yeah exactly Mm -hmm. who's a hobbit um but because the ring is uh not controversial it's not the word (laughs) but the ring corrupts corruptive yeah it corrupts schmeagle and turns him into this creature called gollum Mm -hmm. Who we really, even though he is in the Fellowship, we really meet him in film too. Yeah. He then loses the ring in mm. a dragon's lair. And this is all to do with the story of The Hobbit, which yeah. is a different book that J.R.R. Tolkien did. Uh, not in this series, but it is very important to the story mm-hmm. of Lord of the Rings. And Bilbo picks it up. Yeah, and that's how Frodo comes to have it at the beginning of The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one because obviously... You have to give that context. It's quite long, mm. but like it's important for you to understand what's then what we're going to talk about for the next three films. Exactly. I won't um, need to do that with all the other films. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Just a little um, introduction. So essentially, if you want the most basic overview of Fellowship mm. of the Ring, there's this bad ring. 
Hobbit finds ring <laughs> and starts a journey to destroy said ring. <laughs> Pretty much. In secret. The in secret part's really important because that's when we get into the eagles debate in film number three. So I'm not going into that right now. If you're wondering why I'm talking about eagles, you'll find out later. Mm, I'm not sure I know about the debate, though. So I'm oh, interested to hear about this. Well, yeah, yeah, happening later, happening right, later. Right, right. So yeah, so Frodo picks up the ring and yeah. they go on a journey to try and destroy it. Mm-hmm. Poor Gandalf, he did. He really didn't realise that Bilbo had the ring all that time. Like, Gandalf, what are you doing? Come on. Mm. That's what Saruman criticism of him is, is, you know, how do you not know it was right under your nose, mate? Yeah, literally. Silly. But, yeah, 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 Christopher Lee says, like, smoking too much of that pipe or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> but I think it's really nice about the way it sets up the film. Obviously, we have that prologue, which we have over-explained, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, the film starts so carefree and light, and you see the joy of Hobbiton and the Hobbits. And, you know, Frodo's this protagonist that you just wouldn't have any thought that he would have the strength or this would be the story that he goes on. Because mm-hmm. the film turns, as we said, very dark, very horror, very thrilling, yeah. very disturbing at times. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Relatively quickly. Yeah, Not I know, yeah, yeah. That, you know, it's, yeah, as soon as you're... It's downhill uh, real quick. <laughs> as, the thing that's really impactful is, you know, you have the sh- a prologue, then you get into the Shire, you have all the lovely things, but then, you know, the story unfolds. And it's that moment when they're on the road and, you know, Gandalf's told them to meet them at the Prancing Pony and a few towns over. And so they're on the road which Gandalf said to not go on the road. And there's the bit where one of the nine, which are these creepy creatures with black hoods on, who are these corrupted men. By the the rings rings, of power that were given to them, to the rings of men, to the lords of men. (laughs) Yeah, they're all corrupted and crazy and creepy. Um, They have to hide from them and that really changes the tone of the film for me. Yeah, that's when it really does change. And apparently Peter Jackson really based that off the scene version of it from the animation. So if you watch them side by side, they're quite similar. And, you know, the shot type and the pacing of it. Um, and it's really powerful and in the animation as well. Mm-hmm. Really scary. But this film is different to the other two in that it's really Frodo's story. It's from his perspective. Yeah. And it's this one storyline we're following. Yeah. We're following him finding out about the ring, going to Rivendell to try and figure out what they should do with the ring. The mm. fellowship being formed of all these people well, creatures and people join together to go on the task of destroying the ring. They lose a few people on the way. Oh, yeah, Tears it's, cry it's, down uh, the face. The, the 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 band sort of falls apart. Exactly, and that's what happens throughout the film. Is that members of the fellowship fall off? You have Gandalf who dies fighting the Balrog, mm. and then you have Boromir who dies, gets shot in the chest trying to protect Merry and Pippin. Mm-hmm. Cry, cry, and then Frodo. He's sort of realizing all this chaos is happening. Yeah, and he decides. I'm the one who needs to just go on my own, not to risk anyone else's life. Yeah. But Samwise, being the bay that he is, mm. is like, I'm not leaving you. Yeah, yeah. I'm coming with you. And, 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 so, and at this point, you've you what you've established from Samwise Gamgee is that he's his gardener, <laughs> and, and, and you're just like, why does he love his host so much? Like, because he's just a babe. The, the way I always interpreted, you know, Frodo leaving wasn't so much that he felt that he alone needed to do it. I, I get that was part of it, mm. but I also always interpreted it in the sense of, like, he felt a fellowship wasn't going to work mm. in the sense that with so many people, too many corrupting influences were around him and too many people who could be corrupted were around him and he they were also almost drawing too much attention to him. Yeah, that's, so, what, that's what he realised because Boromir tried to take the ring from him at one point and he just yeah. see... Also, Lady Gladriel went a bit crazy and freaked him out, I'm sure. <laughs> well, that's a bit crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. He probably was just like, this is honestly the way to do it. And you know what Gandalf says in later films is Sauron could never imagine that his ring is getting closer to Mordor in the hands of a hobbit yeah, of yeah. creatures. And and that's part of these overarching themes mm. um, that get really introduced in the Fellowship of the Ring. It's it's having so much pride. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one thing that consistently gets the the audience gets reminded of is the pride of men. Yes. But actually it's not just the pride of men they're talking about. They're talking about those who believe they're better than anyone else. Yeah. And Sauron is that in the sense that he couldn't imagine a hobbit, mm. you know, who are supposed to be these sort of carefree, not, yeah, not caring about the outside world, just sort of existing. Low, yeah, just sort of existing. But actually, you find, you know, hope and light and strength in these un- unlikely places. Yeah. You know. And that's really the character arc in the first film is Frodo's 
I say it's his perspective and he really does mm -hmm. go on a journey really thrust into this world that he never knew you know he'd only mm -hmm. lived in the Shire yeah very innocent and carefree yeah and then suddenly he's tasked with this enormous giant secret mission yeah. to destroy the ring and he realizes you know he's gonna have to be alone in that journey mm. but as i said samwise of course doesn't leave his side i think he feels a sense of um obligation because and i'm gonna try and say this from the perspective of someone that wouldn't know the context super well but in the fellowship of the ring the film you do start to get an introduction of the idea that bilbo went on this journey mm. and so frodo sort of thinks oh my uncle did this i i kind of need to follow in his footsteps in mm. a way so yeah that, my interpretation again was like he feels this sense of obligation to do it because he's like my uncle did this i need to in a way prove to bilbo that i i can do this as well yeah you know? i think what's really impressive about the acting and the directing in terms of the characters themselves mm. is that you do get the sense that even though it is frodo's main journey in this film that there's something bubbling up on, under all the characters and they all go through a small journey. You know, mm -hmm. Aragorn, we establish his love story between Arwen and mm. that there's a lot of uh, difficulty there and that he's resilient to be king. You know, we, it eventually unfolds that Aragorn is the heir to the throne yeah. of men, but he's resisted that because he's seen what being a man and be and, like. and he's one of those the rare characters where he is able to resist corruptive influences mm. and, and he, but but it's because he's so scared of it yeah because he, he, he's so self-aware exactly his yeah. ancestor is Isildur who could not resist the call yeah. of the ring so it's almost he's almost shamed in a way by this and his his story is um learning to move past sort of shame and grief in a way and kind mm. of just becoming who you are yeah absolutely yeah and i really like the introduction of Aragorn, actually, because he gets oh, yeah. introduced as a character known as um, Strider. Yeah. Yeah, as Strider, who no one really knows who this guy is. Yeah. He's just this sort of like hooded figure who kind of helps out the Hobbit. Oh, that scene scared me so much that when they had the, scene, yeah. the, the nine come in to the Hobbit beds and they're like stuck smashing the swords down and they're like screaming as well the sound design in lord of the rings generally is so great you know i always reference the sound design of lord of the rings when i'm making my own films so there's a scene in a, a short i did with bfi and i literally said to my sound designer well, i want it to feel like when you know when uh frodo's like captivated by the nazgul <laughs> at the end of the second movie in Askelia. i want that vibe please yeah and the, <laughs> they like, probably yeah. looked at you and went i know exactly what you're talking about they did they did <laughs> And, like, the sound of the Nazgul is just terrifying. It's this high, screechy... Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm not even going to try it. So, apparently, they were trying to find a good scream for it. Mm -hmm. And they were, like, all the sound team were mostly men. And they were, like, really struggling to find the right sort of scream. And then um, Fran Walsh, who was one of the screenwriters and Peter Jackson's partner, was like, I can do a good scream. And they literally recorded her screaming. I think they slightly warped it, but yeah, that's, yeah, they would have had but that's to. her. That's her voice. That's her scream. It's kind of funny little story. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> because it's so like, like it's, we're not going to try and do it no, with this yeah, mic. We'll probably blow like I know, the sound speaker. <laughs> but it is, it is a bit nuts. That's that's a cool story. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Borum is another character that has a lot of growth in this film. Yeah, should have said spoilers at the top of this mo at the top of this episode because yes, he dies. Maybe we'll add a little filler at the start. There are spoilers in this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there are a lot of spoilers. Yeah. But Boromir dies, but he does go on that journey of, even though he feels corrupted by the ring at points, mm -hmm. at the end, he steps up, he's a good man in the end, and he actually confides in Aragorn, you know, oh God, I tried to take the ring from Frodo, and mm -hmm. I've been a bad person. But Aragorn comforts him in that moment. And Boromir and Aragorn have this nice relationship because Boromir's like, you've abandoned us, you know, you don't want to be king, and we don't need you to be king. Yeah. Because my dad, Crazy Denethor, yeah, <laughs> is uh, ruling the roost, fine, without you. Yeah. And uh, But actually, at the end, Boromir embraces Aragorn and says, yeah. you're my king, you know, I follow you, I trust you. Yeah. Which is a really lovely and moment and it's very sad. I think it, it's a lot of, um a lot of it is another way they managed to do world building so well mm. where they they brought in these political tensions very well yeah like so you, you kind of through that relationship the boromir aragon relationship but then also through boromir's interactions with gimli and legolas you kind of see what men are viewed as in this world mm -hmm. and they're actually not viewed very well by no. all other races and um surprise surprise i mean surprise surprise but yeah it's it's the idea of like actually what boromir ends up realizing is that the world of men is falling. Yeah. And and so he, he understands that Aragon could be that person to lead them back 
bring to, them together. Yeah, bring not only bring them together, but then lead them to greatness, however he sees that as. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing with the first film, it feels more like this adventure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then actually the second one and the third one do get more political and you unravel. And that's because we meet more, many more characters, yeah. which we'll go into when we talk about the other films. And this is what is so good about the first film is um, I wrote, you know, recently I wrote a piece about what I didn't like about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And one of the problems I had was it kind of, it doesn't really establish itself in the context of a two-parter. Whereas what Lord of the Rings does so well is it uses this amazing length of screen time in the first film, in Fellowship, to really establish characters, to really establish the world, to really establish what is going to be the progression of all these people and mm. the narrative throughout an, a journey which is planned and coherent. And that's why I really like the first one, because it's so good at setting everything up. Mm. And it I mean, it's hard now because I don't have the context of watching it for the first time, but I do think it does a really good job of getting people into it without, you know, having to know all this other stuff outside. It does do a pretty good job of yeah. bringing in all the ideas it's trying to talk And the irony of that is that to do that, the film is going to have to be long. Yeah. And some people are just like, I don't want to watch that long a film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, well, if you if you commit to it, if you give it the time, if you give it the energy, yeah. it'll give it all back. Yeah. It'll improve your life, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So for you, what's a standout sequence in the first film? We both asked, I've got my answer. So I'm, I'm going to do... I, was debating, I hope it's not the same as mine. But let's see. Well, I was going to do a couple... I, I'm, I'm debating between a couple, but I'm going to have to go for the Balrog scene. No, that's it. That's Look at the word there, Balrog. I mean... Balrog, oh no. Yeah, but, okay. You know what? In the interest of going something different, (laughs) I will... um, Oh, that's actually annoying, because the other one I talked about, I was going to talk about, that we kind of mentioned already, was actually the um, first introduction of the Nine. Oh, yeah. So, well, not the first introduction, but the first... The Weathertop. Yeah. No, not not Weathertop. When Actually, when the Hobbits... I mean, Prancing Pony. Yeah, uh, before they <laughs> before they get to Prancing Pony, which we just mentioned, which was oh, where the, they go on the, the road. road. Yeah. And I really like that sequence because it's a tonal shift mm. that doesn't feel unnatural. Yeah. It feels like, because Gandalf before that has been warning, like, do not go on the road, there's a problem. But it's still kind of a light and fairy, airy fairy vibe. Yeah. Still they're kind of like, eh, we're going through some fields, it's mm-hmm. still a good time. And then... I think I broke something. Yeah. It's a carrot. <laughs> <laughs> and they, um, so they, they're they walking, you know, through the fields and going to the Prancing Pony, wherever that is, um, and they fall down some hill, I guess, and they end up on the road. And all of a sudden, Frodo realises, wait a second, Gandalf said not to be here. And as soon as that happens, one of the nine comes through. And it's just this, like, really, really tense atmosphere. And it's the first time Frodo feels the impact of the ring Mm. it's the first time he really understands that this ring could hurt him Mm -hmm. and it's someone's looking for it like before it was kind of like ah these people are trying to look for me and this is a big mission whatever now it's like oh no there's people out there trying to kill me Mm. like this is a scary thing and like all the bugs coming out and again the sound design is so great there it makes you feel like you're under that tree spider starts crawling Mm. on Sam's shoulder I think yeah one of them Yeah, yeah one of them and they have to like be really quiet because otherwise they're going to get found. And then after that, it almost immediately shifts to nighttime, mm. which before it was all daytime. And it's a great um, what's the what's the word like um, pathetic? Is it pathetic fallacy? No, it was it, the word in literature where like the weather represents mm. you know the mood. Mm. But it's when they're all walking and it's all fine. It's daytime, and then as soon as they hit the road, and you know one of the nine comes through, it's nighttime and they're getting chased. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it jumps it's, forward. And the thing is, is um, well, it's the first time that Mary and Pippin, well, Mary specifically, starts taking it seriously. It's like, where do we need to get to? Who's following us? What's going on? Yeah. And, Buckleberry Fairy. And yeah, he's like, <laughs> Buckleberry Fairy, let's go. Yeah. And so they run and run. And yeah, it, that was so scary as a kid. You just hear the screams. Rah! And the mm-hmm. horses popping out and they're running. And of course, Frodo gets left behind. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, Mr. Frodo. Yeah, and he has to run and jump on the boat. Mm-hmm. There's a funny behind the scenes story of apparently Dominic jumped onto the raft, the wooden raft, mm-hmm. and he got a splinter up his foot. And oh. he was complaining. He was like, oh, I think it's a massive splinter. You're going to see it. It's going to be huge. And then he was complaining so much. And then they took it out. And it's just like tiny little piece. <laughs> Bless. Yeah, but splinters hurt. They do hurt. They do hurt. I guess through that. But it's not as bad as so at the end of the movie, you know, when Sean Astin 
wades out to the boat to join Frodo because Frodo's trying to leave. Yeah. Apparently, he stepped on a massive shard of glass <gasps> that was in the like in the river that obviously they didn't know, and he had to get flown by helicopter out to hospital. Ooh, that's quite serious then. Yeah, you have to get shot. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, nice. I think a lot of people had injuries on this set from the sound of things. Oh, yeah. we've got. I know some other ones that we'll yeah. talk about probably later. Yeah. yeah. Um, but back to the standout sequences. Yeah. So you can, you can go for the Balrog sequence. I'm going sequence. for the Balrog. All right. Ooh, that's a scary thing. It's the whole build-up. I mean, you have the scene before where they have to fight off a load of um, goblins and the cave troll and all that sort of stuff. In the Mines of Moria. In the Mines of Moria. <laughs> but when the Balrog is about to approach, you know, they're surrounded by goblins and you think, how are they going to get out of it? And then mm. you just hear this loud, like, just beat. Boom. And then the goblins literally just scatter. Yeah, they, they scream and run. They like. scream and run, and you can see Gandalf slowly turns around, and you can just see like this like light slightly coming closer and closer from mm-hmm. this like archway behind them. It's like a fiery light as well. And Gandalf is like, run! There's yeah, no, the, no. He says something fight. like he says something like um, blades will not help you here, mm-hmm. or something like that. Like is like yeah, he's like. <laughs> We need to get out. And, and it's interesting because earlier in the film, he's so worried about going into the mines. Mm-hmm. And no, you, you kind of think, oh, there must be something there. But it's not really described what it is. Yeah. And then you get there. And it's the look on Gandalf's face, as you said, when he turns around. It's this dread. He, who, who has been this like solid rock of knowledge mm. turns to... And quite no. a steady hand. Yeah, steady hand. Now he's like, nope. <laughs> we've got to go, go. We, we've got to go and it's just when they run through and they've got all those staircases and mm-hmm. the staircases are crumbling and moving oh, and the, like, movement yeah, yeah. and the music in that bit is so great and then there's arrows firing across from goblins yeah, chilling from... out on the side yeah they're just chilling they're just chilling <laughs> yeah. and all the time you can hear the beat of this barrel coming yeah yeah and then eventually you get to the very thin bridge mm-hmm. to the escape path and they have to run across it and Gandalf stays behind to try and fight off this Balrog because we can't pursue yeah. them. And yeah. you get the iconic line, you shall not pass. I've seen like clips of um, Ian McKellen going to like a school. I have seen that. And he's like, he's like. Uh, if you like, don't study for exams. Yeah, what's going to happen? You shall not pass. <laughs> and all the kids are like, woohoo. Yeah, they love it. Um, I love it. I'd love that if Ian McKellen came to my but, school. Yeah, I mean, the Balrog, the reason the sequence is so good is like we've said, you know, so much happens and and the stakes are so high mm. and what makes the stakes so high actually is what you said about this you have this like beat and this like fiery light coming mm. but you don't actually see what the balrog is for a little while not until you're on the bridge not until you're at the bridge and then this the balrog emerges and it's this huge demon centaur fiery thing yeah and and it's it's really terrifying really well animated as well like yeah. even rewatching it now is very well animated. If you think they're doing that in, you know, 1990,000, working on the post-production. It is incredibly well animated. And I was thinking about this and I thought, oh, maybe the reason it's so well animated is because actually they don't try and make it super well lit. So Mm. what you're getting is this kind of like dark chiaroscuro vibe and it's it's like... You love chiaroscuro. I love chiaroscuro, mate. I love that (laughs) word. It's such a good word. Chiaroscuro... For those who don't know, it basically means like shadowy mm-hmm. lighting. Um, and uh, yeah. Touch it, it's really bumpy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a friend's reference. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, but then when it is revealed, it's, it's terrifying. And there's also like an epic battle on it's the bridge. It's epic. And it's just so sad because me as a nine year old and I'm not knowing the story, I did not think for a second that Gandalf was going to die. And mm. essentially, the Balrog falls. And Gandalf's about to turn away and then the Balrog's whip starts pulling Gandalf down. Yeah, and so he's like grabbing on the on the edge. And I mean, there's that argument people think like, oh, Boromir could have ran and pulled him up. But I think... It, no, I think... The... Gandalf is like, knows, no, I'm going to fall. Get out of here because goblins are coming. They're going to shoot you. Yeah. Like, fly, you fools. Yeah. Get out. Yeah, he's... And then he's he drops. Just... It, I think he it makes makes sense his character decision in that point to yeah. just go get away like go. don't even bother trying to help me like yeah and because then, yeah Frodo lets out this gut wrenching scream of no yeah. and it's that because established at the start of this film is that Gandalf you know is this sort of long time old family friend 
and it's just, he's like this comforting figure and mm. and he's he it's like i said as well he's he's also up until this whole sequence he is seen in the whole world of middle earth as this sort of knowledgeable figure yeah someone who's been around who knows what's going on who can basically hold his own yeah and then he finds this he's like this demon is not, yeah. but this is, you guys can't handle this. I can't even handle this. Like, let's get out of here. I know. And Gandalf's already, he's been through the ringer already in this movie. You know, Saruman's turned on him, his wizard friend that he turned to for counsel. He got trapped at Betrayed. the top of some, yeah, yeah. He got trapped at the top of some, uh, you know, Isengard building, mm-hmm. all thank, and, you know, he had to jump onto a eagle to escape. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's all happening for Gandalf. It's all, have, all Gandalf's had a rough, rough time of it, really, honestly. And yeah. it's, yeah, it really is a motive, that sequence, the Balrogs. It's my standout moment for Fellowship of the Ring. It is. It's a fantastic sequence. But let's lighten the mood slightly. Okay. Any favourite lines from the first movie? Any favourite lines from the first movie? Um, I've got one. Well, I've got two written down. Okay. But they're both quite light as well, which is nice. Yeah. One of them is Gandalf's line. Fool of a took. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> Whenever Pippin uh, is, like, touching things, which he really shouldn't, and then, the, like, a dead body falls down a well and they're trying to be very secretive. And it clangs and clangs and makes a big noise, and that's what sort of reveals their presence to the goblins. Yeah, yeah. And they have this big battle in the Mines of Moria uh, with a cave troll, mm-hmm. and he just goes, "Fool of a took." Yeah, it's oh, a good one. It. That's a classic. That's an iconic line. That. That's an iconic line. And then the other one I really like is Samwise Gamgee's line when, um, again, Gandalf is like picks him out from the garden because he's been oh, overhearing. Going to say this, and then this he says, uh, "What have you been eavesdropping?" And then Samwise goes, "I ain't been, been dropping, dropping no eaves, sir." <laughs> I was going to say that. Oh, now I have to think of a different one. I was, I was going to say that. Well, we've got plenty of other films to do lines from, so yeah, we'll, we'll take that as our two. That, yeah, films. I mean, there's loads of iconic lines. There's, the there's a lot of like just good lines. I think. Obviously, "You shall not pass" is like super iconic. Yeah, that's the reason I wouldn't call it like my favourite line is just because it, it surpasses like culture at this point you know like it, <laughs> Can't, it cannot enter the favourite line situation yeah, it's just it's already like right. in the stratosphere of just iconic lines of all film I know so well we've got more iconic lines in the next few films yeah 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 and I think that kind of wraps up our Fellowship with the Ring chitter chatter it's very good it came out in December 2001 I loved it we went to see it on Boxing Day like every Christmas that year and mm. then the years coming afterwards yeah well, they all came out a year after yeah so it's just such a ritual for me and yeah I'd never seen a movie like it I really was blown away so well made and I imagine imagine like obviously you did but imagine for people older that still you know had a wealth of film experience at this point they go and see that it's like whoa we haven't seen something like that in a you know Maybe since Star Wars, you yeah. know, like that. that They're not that well done. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Imagine. Amazing. Yeah. I've loved talking about Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, it's been uh, very good and looking forward to continuing the discussion. Yes. So we're going to be back tomorrow mm. with the episode continuing. So this is going to be a two parter. We've discovered we've talked for a long time. Yeah. And it's going to be an even longer one tomorrow. So <laughs> oh, prepare yourselves. Prepare yourselves. Grab got... a bit of popcorn like you do at the movies. Exactly. We've got a lot to get through. But yeah. yes, we will be back tomorrow with the second part of our Lord of the Rings look back at the classics episode. Mm-hmm. Be sure to check that out. Tune in indeed. Peace. Bye. Bye. Bye.